one of the oldest living things in the world, is located about a thousand miles south of us in California. It is a nearly 5,000 year old tree called the Methuselah tree. It's a bristlecone pine, which is a gnarly tangle of branches that hardly looks alive, but it thrives in the high elevations of the Sierra Nevada and White Mountains. This tree has been growing there since before the pyramids were built in Egypt, and it still stands there alive to this day. That's old, right? However, there is one other living organism on earth that is about 16 times older than the Methuselah tree in California. It's an aspen colony in southern Utah that's known as Pando, the trembling giant. If you've ever seen aspens tremble in the wind, it's an aspen colony that's estimated to be about 80,000 years old. 80,000 years old. Now, I say colony because to our eyes, we would think that it's basically just a forest of a bunch of individual trees. But these trees are really just stems poking up out of the ground from a massive underground shared root system. Scientists have analyzed them, and they are all genetically identical to one another. They're all part of the same plant that has lived there for 80,000 years. Can you even wrap your mind around that? Pando has lived so long precisely because of that underground root system. See, forest fires can come through and they can harm and destroy the individual trees that are above ground. But the deep root system beneath is nearly invincible. And those tree stems grow back up out of the ground, all part of the same plant. It's incredible. And the ancient resilience of this plant exists in something that we cannot even see with our eyes. The incredible underground root system. I guess the, the man-made version of a deep root system would be the foundation of a building, right? If any of you have ever had foundation problems in your house, then you know what a pain and what a big deal that is. But if you've ever watched a building under construction, then you know that it starts with digging a giant hole in the ground. And then for weeks, it looks like nothing at all is happening. It looks like there's no progress being made on the construction. But then after a long time of seeing nothing obvious happen, the building structure and the walls all start to pop up and you can finally say, aha, there is that building that they've been working on. Now, all of those weeks that there appears to just be a big hole in the ground and nothing obvious happening, that is the laying of the foundation on which the rest of the building can be built. And so though it looks like the least productive part of construction, it is actually the most essential part. Now, Pando's deep root system can't be seen 
but it allows the colony to persist for 80,000 years or a building's foundation that takes weeks to lay out and, and it looks like nothing is happening. We can't see it, but it is essential for the stability of the building. These things, deep roots, a foundation, these things are what prayer is like for a follower of Jesus. Without a foundation, a building sinks into the ground and fails to stand. Without deep roots, trees can be destroyed by fire or drowned by flood or toppled by wind. And without prayer, a Christian is cut off from the source of life and cannot grow in the things of faith. But prayer just like roots and foundations, is something that we cannot really see. And if we're honest, something that often feels unproductive. So, in this season where our social interactions remain limited, but we are so aware of the pain and problems in the world, and we often feel helpless to do anything about them, I want to lean into our call to be a people of prayer. Prayer is the root system that keeps our spiritual lives vibrant. Prayer is the foundation on which any action of social justice or service to others can be built. So today, open up your Bible to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14. As we enter into this series on prayer for the month of June, I want to begin by looking at a prayer that Paul prayed over the church in Ephesus. And as we read and reflect on his prayer, I hope we'll be able to learn and grasp some things for our own practice of prayer. So Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Hear the word of the Lord. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh Lord, thank you for the opportunity to come to you in prayer. And thank you for the words of your scripture that guide us. I pray that as we consider these words, that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
So, so we've all already started to talk about how prayer is the thing that keeps us rooted as followers of Christ. But as I reflect on this prayer that Paul has prayed in his letter to the Ephesians that we've just read, the primary thing I can see in it is that prayer itself is rooted in relationship. Prayer is rooted in relationship. This is the place I think we need to start. I'm so grateful for many of you who submitted responses to the prayer survey that I sent out a few weeks back to gather input for this series on prayer. And many of you shared honestly and vulnerably about just how difficult prayer is. And that makes total sense. Because if prayer is rooted in relationship, then prayer is difficult because relationships are difficult. Because if we're honest, prayer is often not only just something difficult to do, it can also be something that many of us actually don't do. And I think the reason for that is that we have lost this relational aspect of prayer. So let's look through this passage and recover the reality that prayer is rooted in relationship. So the first piece of relational language we see in our passage is found in the first verse that we read. Ephesians 3 verse 14. Paul said, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. The first relationship that prayer is rooted in is relationship with God as Father. Now, for some, Father is a pretty loaded word. Maybe your father was absent or abusive. And so that term carries with it all the weight of those scars. And I just want to say, I, I'm so sorry that you experienced that and that you carry that pain with you. But I also want to plead with you. Don't let your experience of a bad earthly father get in the way of your experience of a good heavenly father. It is only through this good heavenly father that those scars can be healed. Prayer is a place where all of that pain is welcome. So run to God and rest in his love. He is a good father. And so father can be a difficult word to work through, but, but many of us don't have issues with the term father, and yet we still struggle to pray. And I just want to be really honest with you. I think many of us don't pray because we don't really believe in God as our father. We don't pray because we are not rooted in that relationship. And prayer is rooted in relationship. Now, now this is an essential part of Jesus' message. I want you to pay attention to this. And you can look it up over the next week because nearly every time that Jesus teaches on prayer, it is in reference to God as Father. 
Jesus says to pray in secret and your father will see you. He says that when we ask in prayer, God is a father who gives good gifts to his children. Jesus tells parables of persevering in prayer that end with how much more will your heavenly father hear you when you call to him. He teaches us to pray with the words, our father in heaven, which we pray together every week. And when Jesus himself prays, he calls on God as his father. So this is an essential and foundational truth. Prayer is rooted in relationship with God as our father. The problem is that though many of us have heard Jesus teaching on prayer, and we've even heard that word father, we have actually missed the depth of the reality that God is our father. We hear that God will see us when we pray, so prayer becomes a way that we sort of spiritually show off in front of God. Prayer becomes a way that we maintain our spiritual status before God. Or we hear that God gives good gifts, and so we end up treating prayer like a wish list. But prayer is not a performance or a transaction. Prayer is a relationship. So I want to say it again. Many of us don't pray because we don't really believe that God is Father. Look, many of you have children. And just imagine if your kids only ever talked to you when they wanted you to give them something. Now, maybe you don't have to imagine that. Maybe you've experienced that. But truly, that is not a relationship. And yet, this is exactly what we do with God. So I want to challenge you to recover the relational foundation of prayer. God is our Father. And once you truly believe that, prayer can stop being a place of performance or transaction. Once you really believe that, prayer stops being a place of duty and becomes a place of desire, deep desire. And once that desire is kindled within us, you won't be able to stop praying. Prayer is rooted in relationship. This image that Paul uses in verse 14 of bending his knees before the Father is an image of humility and reverence. That's often the way that we understand it, but it is also the image of a young child crawling on all fours with their father. So let yourself be a child and rest in the embrace of your heavenly father. This is the bond from which prayer flows. Prayer is rooted in relationship. But the relational roots of prayer are not individual. Not just about me and God. 
Look at the rest of Paul's sentence. He says, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. You see, prayer is not just a me and God thing. It's an us and God thing. And throughout the rest of the passage that we read, every single you that appears is plural. None of these are singular. Prayer is rooted in relationship with God as Father, but it's also rooted in relationship with one another as family. And this is another reason why our prayer lives are sorely lacking. We fail to pray because we fail to recognize others as family. God as Father and others as family are deeply tied together. After all, when Jesus was asked the greatest commandment, how did he respond? Well, he said, love the Lord your God. But what did he say right after that? Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, these two are tied together. Loving God and loving our neighbors go together. There's a monk named Dorotheus of Gaza from the 6th century who, who had a great illustration. He illustrated this truth this way. He writes, imagine that the world is a circle and God is at the center. And all the, the radii on the different sides are, are the ways that human beings live. All right, so we've got the circle on the outside and God in the middle. And it says, when those who wish to come closer to God walk towards the center of the circle, they come closer to one another at the same time as they come closer to God. The closer they come to God, the closer they come to one another as the circle begins to bend in on itself toward its center. And the closer that we come to one another, the closer we come to God. As we draw closer to God, we are drawn closer to others. This is the foundational truth of what it means to be the church. And it is also the fundamental mission that the church is called to in the world. As we worship God, we are drawn together in the body of the church. But as we cross the street out into community, we are drawn closer to the heart of God. This is where we discover the kingdom of God. And this is why it is so important that we pay attention to what is going on in our country right now. We have brothers and sisters literally in the streets who are crying out about racial injustice. As the people of God, we have a responsibility to listen. If we don't, then we are no different than the priest and the Levite who passed by the man on the road before the good Samaritan came to tend to him. If we don't listen, then we are no different than the rich man who ignores Lazarus at his gate, and that did not go well for him. 
If we refuse to listen, then we are no different than the goats who call out, Lord, Lord, when did we see you hurting or in prison? Doesn't go well for them either. If we are going to be a people who love God, then we must also love our neighbors. If we want to call out to our Father in prayer, then we must also humbly listen to members of our own family. If our prayers remain only personal, me and God, then they will wither up and die because they're not really rooted in relationship. So I want to challenge you, especially in these days, to listen closely to the voices of your sisters and brothers. Read those letters that I shared in this weekend's email. There's a link there. These letters written from all kinds of ministry leaders across the country calling us to pay attention to the racial injustice that we're facing. Read those letters and turn them into prayers. Take your social media feed that you see day after day and turn that into prayer. Take the nightly news and turn it into prayer. We fail to pray because we fail to recognize others as our family. But once you see that every family in heaven and on earth takes its name from the Father, well, you won't be able to stop praying. This is what happens when prayer is rooted in relationship. Now, as we begin to believe that God truly is a good father, and we begin to see others as family, as our prayer becomes rooted in relationship, all that we've been talking about so far, we ourselves become rooted. Isn't that where the rest of Paul's prayer goes in the passages that we have read? In verse 16, he goes on and says, I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. You see, we live in a world that is constantly shaking and prayer is the firm ground that we can rest on. We live in a world that, if, if we're honest, has gone crazy. And prayer is the way that we stay sane in the midst of it. You see, the world around us is constantly training us in how to interact with it. But prayer is a place where we can learn to interact differently. See, the world around us is constantly trying to shake up our inner being with punchy headlines, right? But prayer is a place that strengthens our inner being by the Spirit. 
The world around us is constantly trying to fill our hearts with bitterness, but prayer invites Christ to dwell in our hearts through faith. The world around us is constantly trying to get us to just react to it, right? That's the literal button that Facebook has. It's the reaction button, right? But praying gets us rooted. The world is crazy, but prayer is how we stay sane. So when that news story or Facebook post or comment from your friend or family member or spouse starts getting you to react with hate, stop, pray, and instead root in love. Prayer is the thing that roots us and grounds us in the love of God. It is the only way that we can stay sane in a crazy world. It's the only way we can stand firm when everything else is shaking. And when our prayer is rooted in the relationships of father and family, we become a people who are rooted ourselves and grounded in love. And all of this is essential to our life in Christ, even when prayer is difficult to do or doesn't seem to make any difference. It is the unseen roots that kept Pando alive for 80,000 years. It's that slow laying of the foundation that makes the rest of the building stable. And for us, it is prayer that keeps us alive and stable as we confront darkness and death with our Father and with our family. And so as we wrap this up, I want to ask you, where do you tend to get hung up in prayer? You know, maybe it's difficult to really believe in God as Father. Not just believe with your head, but, but I mean really believe with your heart that God is Father. How might you lean into that truth this week? Maybe it's really difficult for you to see your faith as communal rather than just a personal thing. How can you pay attention to the wider family of God during this season? Who might you be listening to and not just praying for, but praying with? How can you lean into the reality that we are not on our own, but with the family of God? Or maybe the place where you get stuck is that you just feel completely unrooted. You feel swept up by one anxiety to the next. Maybe you feel like this crazy world is making you crazy. How can you pause in prayer to grow your roots down deep into the love of God? Sometimes we just need to stop and take a deep breath, 
rooted and grounded in love. And so I am calling you to pray this week. And remember, prayer is rooted in relationship. So get on your knees like a child and rest in the arms of your father. Listen to the voices of your family all around you. And root in the deep foundation of love. And as we do this, may we all come to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. May it be so. Amen.